Hi, and welcome to Being Lutheran, a podcast dedicated to proclaiming the excellencies of Jesus Christ and the biblical theology expressed in the Lutheran Confessions. Today, Pastor Jason Goodham, Pastor Brett Bowe, and Pastor Adam Osier continue their discussion on the Augsburg Confession, looking at Article 14. Being Lutheran is sponsored by the Free Lutheran Bible College and Seminary. Whatever your vocation is, start here, go anywhere, grounded in God's Word. Welcome to the Being Lutheran Podcast. I am Pastor Brett Bowe, and I'm joined by... Pastor Jason Goodham. And Pastor Adam Osier. Welcome back, Adam. Thanks for having me. Good to see you again. Yes. Glad to be here. It's yeah, been a while it, for all of it us. It has been a while. We've been on a bit of a hiatus. I think this is the last The last couple of Tuesdays have been maybe one of the only Tuesdays where we haven't... We've, we've missed an episode missed here an and episode. there. I can't remember the last time we missed back-to-back Tuesdays. Yeah. Uh, it's we've kind of been on dissertation hiatus right. as I'm trying to wrap up the final paper for my doctorate program. And, yeah, can you give us a little update on that? Uh, the writing is all done for it. I got uh, earlier this week. I got final approval on the content from my advisor, uh, and once the content is nailed down, then it goes to formatting. Everything has to be official and academic, and uh, so it's in the hands of a person who is titled the dissertation secretary. Uh, which sounds awful to me. It just sounds like the worst <laughs> job, but bless Shouldn't this person. Like the, the dissertation, uh, what's it called? Administrative assistant, though? Isn't that kind of getting uh, well, assistant behind the, the manager? Times? Yeah. <laughs> it's a, not, none of my business. But right. yeah, um, so once the formatting's done, then we schedule the defense of the paper. So I, uh, there's a light at the end of the tunnel. And each preceding day, I'm uh, more convinced it's not a freight train. Right. So it's this is, I'm wrapping up year six in this program, and I'm ready to be done. Yes. And that has, for most of July, August, and now September, that has really uh, chewed up a lot of my schedule, which made recording and scheduling for us more difficult. But we're back in our impromptu studio, which is the conference room at Heritage Hall on the campus of the Free Lutheran Bible College and Seminary. Yes. Start here, go anywhere. It's Grounded in God's... Yeah, oh, right. sorry. Yeah, well, exactly. Well, you guys pay, you pay for that space, so it's yes. just fine. Yes, that's right. <laughs> and this is the first week of, of getting back into a new school year. Yes. Uh, give as... us a little, little bit about that, Adam, on this episode. Yeah, it's exciting uh, to have students back on campus. The, the energy is you know, definitely there when the students are here, so we're excited that they're here. Um, it has been, you know, quite a quite an experience with this whole COVID thing. But it actually, for for whatever reason, this year, this first week, we'll we'll call it the first week, feels really normal. It's exciting to have students on campus who are hungry to learn about God's word. Mm-hmm. We're excited to have them. Yep, awesome. And, and for those who listen, who teach, that this is kind of the fuel that feeds teachers is having students around ready to learn. And there's just that that itch that is scratched. You know, we're two Sundays away at my congregation from starting up Sunday school. Mm-hmm. And we take Sunday school off during the summer, and I'm just geared up to teach in my congregation. Even though I've had Bible study all summer long, Sunday school has a different vibe to it, a different structure. So yeah, it's kind of like as a lifelong student, literally a lifelong student, mm-hmm. uh, September 1st always feels like New Year's to me. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's good. Yeah. And, and administration and, and academics, same way, basically. Yeah. Summer doesn't feel like it's off either, though. You're gearing up for students, yeah. and, and there's a lot there, but it's exciting to get them back for sure. Oh. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, today we're jumping back into the Augsburg Confession and our, our march through each article. And today we're on Augsburg Confession Article 14. 
our Article 14 of the Augsburg Confession and the and the apology. apology. Yep. yep, I always forget to say that. Yeah, uh, we don't want to deny the existence that, yes. of the apology. Now <laughs> it's all good. Read it. We're we're probably going to need a whole episode just to read this article, right, Brett? That's right. Yeah, it's, it's <laughs> that could be the entire episode. That, and yeah, we'll just cram everything into the second episode. Mm-hmm. Yeah, not so much. <laughs> <laughs> this is one of the shorter, yeah. if not the shortest, article in the entire confession. Mm-hmm. Uh, and maybe we could get into maybe why that is, but. Uh, I'm not necessarily yeah. no, sure I know the historical reason why, actually, mm-hmm. and I didn't beef up on... Uh, uh, here's a here's a book plug that we're not paid to make uh, if <laughs> by Concordia Publishing House, which, by the way, Concordia Publishing House, if anyone's listening there and you want to advertise on the Being Lutheran podcast, look me up. All right. <laughs> but... Uh, uh, Concordia Publishing House puts out the reader's edition of the Book yeah. of Concord. And of all the various versions of the Book of Concord out there, and, and, and most of them are great. Uh, and I'm still a fan of print books. I know you kind of cringe at that, Brett, but I'm still a fan <laughs> of print books. Um, the The reader's edition is fantastic. Hmm. The historical background that they give you. Yep. Um, that the, comes in Kindle, too. It comes in Kindle, but it's not the same. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, so I highly recommend picking that up, yeah. you know, as we're kind of more or less at the halfway point of yeah. the content. So, yeah. Yep, very good. Well, I will go ahead and read the article for us, and then we can launch into our discussion today. Uh, order in the church. I feel like a, a judge. A yeah, order, order in the court. Yes. Uh, so here it is, Augsburg Confession, Article 14. It is taught among us that nobody should publicly teach or preach or administer the sacraments in the church without a regular call. And that's it. All right. Amen. We're going to squeeze four episodes out of that sentence. That's amazing. But yeah. we, we were talking about this off air. It's really kind of stunning how succinct this article is, but how many various topics that kind of fall under the heading. This is... Yep. Um, for the purposes of the Lutheran Church and of the various denominations under the Lutheran Church, this article is where a lot of those differences lie. Mm-hmm. Uh, we've got uh, matters of call and ordination right. that fall under this and matters of church government right. all fit under this heading. Yeah, and, and even just the congregational life, who's preaching on Sunday type of questions yeah. as well. Yep. Uh, well, and, and maybe we get that out of the way right now, uh, mostly because I chuckle. Uh, when I have people who uh, interact with me personally, who uh, interact with others online about our podcast, it, it seems like there's still a large portion of our audience that thinks <laughs> that we're Missouri Synod pastors. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and, and that's fine. Uh, there, there's nothing wrong with that. But we are in a completely different Lutheran denomination. We're right. in the Association of Free Lutheran Congregations, the AFLC. All three of us mm-hmm. are. And... Uh, there's several differences to how Missouri runs things to how we run things. First, uh, we are historically Norwegian Lutherans, Missouri historically German Lutherans. Yeah, sure, you betcha. Uh, But uh, we come uh, out of a reaction in Norway to the state church of Norway. And so our heritage are the Norwegians who no longer wanted to be a part of the state church because once the state takes over something, it becomes a government job. Uh, and and there's, there's both good and bad history to that reaction. Yeah. Uh, but the free church 
uh, kind of what defines the AFLC is that we are non-synodical. We're non-hierarchical, which means uh, every one of the congregations, about 275, we're a really small denomination. Yeah. Every one of the congregations, the AFLC, is in fact an independent, autonomous congregation as far as church government is concerned. And then where we get the association is every one of the congregations in the AFLC voluntarily associ- associates with all of the other congregations and binds together with them to form the structure of the AFLC so that we can accomplish mm-hmm. things that a single congregation cannot do on its own. And so on the national level, the AFLC, we have a two-year Bible college that we're at. We have mm-hmm. our own seminary. We have a home and missions wing. We have our own publishing house. Uh, we have an evangelism and discipleship department. We have a youth department, mm-hmm. and we have some stewardship departments. Uh, is that everything that I cover at all? So sure, there's probably someone's going to yeah, correct yeah, me. That right. you I, know, I, I, I just hurt somebody's feelings. Yeah, we did totally. WMF. And there's so, yeah, WMF. Well, <laughs> missions, <laughs> right? Yeah, yeah the, the women's yeah. missions organization that we have, and, and basically everything in the AFLC fits under that umbrella. Yeah, but we are non-hierarchical, and, and there are benefits and there are drawbacks to any church structure. What we want to get out of the way here as we're talking is not only to talk about the context that we're coming from and how it's going to be different than our Missouri Synod listeners, but but also that there is, in fact, no biblical mandate mm-hmm. for church government or structure at all. It's adiaphora completely. And so you need to know uh, what's at stake Mm-hmm. In, in how you structure your church and the implications. One of the implications, as we kind of round back to the material of this article, yeah. is how your church handles the office of the ministry. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and so that that's a big part of what what is at stake in this article, of, of just uh, fleshing that out, of thinking through uh, for congregational life, uh, both for them, for these early Lutherans, uh, all the way up to us today and, and beyond that. Yeah, and so where we're at with the office of the ministry, and Adam, this is kind of where you come in as a college administrator, is what does it mean to be a pastor? What does it mean to be a lay person in the church? What are those various responsibilities mm-hmm. uh, uh, on a on the level of absolute unity across Lutheran denominations as far as the conservative Bible-believing ones are concerned? The, the thing that we reject is anything that falls out of order or, uh, you know, would would kind of be this sort of inserting yourself into the congregation. Like if you show up at a church and, and announce to the congregation that God has given you a word that needs to be spoken to the congregation, you would reject that. Right. The, uh, uh, yeah, just the whole idea of, of the call and the nature is, is very, it varies according to these different denominations, of course, but the end of the day, it's God doing the calling, yep. right? It's not the people. I think, you know, I, I feel like I'm a pretty good public speaker. Maybe I should be a, maybe I should be a pastor, you know? And sometimes that's God working in our hearts. That's part of, I think we'll talk about that later, right? Where there's two kind of aspects of the call where there's that internal, or maybe God is prodding you in that in some kind of a way because of natural giftings. But then there's the external call as well, which I, I'm sure we'll, you know, get into a little bit more later, but it's God doing the calling through uh, different individuals and through means. Yep. And, 
And the call uh, from the from the general level, mm-hmm. as it pertains to the office of the ministry, is again most all of church government and structure within even an individual congregation is based on this concept from First Corinthians fourteen forty, mm-hmm. which is let everything be done decently yes. and in order. Right? Yes. We we don't kind of want this. You know, part of the reason that that's even in Corinthians is you were the the Corinthian, chaos in the yeah, congregation, chaos in yeah. the congregation, especially when it came to speaking in tongues, because everyone would you know just babble on during the service, and, and no one knew who to listen to. Mm-hmm. Uh, in the traditional congregational structure, that chaos is countered by the call by the office of the ministry, and so a pastor is called by the congregation or by the denomination, mm-hmm. uh, or sometimes both, uh, is called to be the one in the church who preaches yeah. and to be the one in the church who administers the sacraments and to be the one in the church who oversees the spiritual care mm-hmm. of the congregation. Now, right. the, the spiritual care of the congregation, it, it doesn't necessarily have to be done only by the pastor, mm-hmm. but the, the pastor will oversee it. Yeah. He'll be the primary one who does it. He'll be the one maybe assigning mentors yeah. or or working with the deacons or the elders or whatever the structure is. You know, uh, I, I've had a strange amount of conversations with people in the last five years who are frustrated that the church of today isn't consistent with the terminology of the New Testament kind of church leadership structure. And, and and I understand some of that frustration, but I think part of the problem is even in those terms in, in Scripture, there's overlap. And so you have the concept of elder and shepherd and presbyter, and oftentimes those three jobs have the same description. Right. And, and so, you know, work with whatever structure your church has, and, and that's kind of why churches call. Yep. Right, yeah, to, I've been, I'm, I'm thinking about this a lot, having just taken a call to a new church, a new congregation. And, you know, I know that there were a lot of people that were um, filling in before they had a, a full-time pastor, a lot of great interim pastor work at, at the congregation I'm, I'm now at. But even being the new pastor coming in, it, you could just feel a sense of like, Kind of like an exhale, like okay, good. Yeah. Everything is as it as it should be in sense of of the calling here, uh, as we're talking about this, and, and even in the the learning process of you know trying to figure out how does how does uh, my gifting fit in with this particular congregation. There's a learning uh, time that takes place, but even that, it, it's just it's fun to to know that God is called. Uh, the Lord, you know, used the. This congregation and uh, and connecting us together, and uh, yeah, it, it's just kind of a fun to it's fun to think about it uh, because it's fresh in my mind in particular. Well, and, and it's fun to think about on the level too of the office of the ministry and the way a pastor works in the congregation is the culmination of Christ fulfilling promises to his disciples and to his church throughout the Gospels, right? Mm-hmm. Christ makes a promise to Peter, you are Peter, and on this rock, not Peter, but his confession that you are the Christ, yeah. the Son of God, on this rock I will build my church and the gates of hell will never prevail against her. Uh, pastors are a fulfillment of that promise. Mm-hmm. It's Pastors are the perpetuation of the proclamation and application of the gospel in the congregation. And, and then Christ fleshes that out even more with the office of the keys, 
which is spelled out some in Matthew 16, some in Matthew 18, and then again in John 20, where the, the job of the individual apostles then down through the church to all Christians is to be about the business of forgiving sins. Uh, and then ultimately, mm-hmm. he, he you know, Jesus zeroes right in on Peter uh, at the end of John there and and says, feed my lambs, feed my sheep. Yeah. And yeah. Uh, the the office of the ministry is Christ fulfilling that promise to his church for all time. Hmm. Yeah. And so, uh, you know, that's, that's one part of it. Uh, you know, maybe we're thinking of this a lot because we're pastors, yep. uh, but mm-hmm. there's also the aspect of the regular church member and lay person yep. um, and just how our church is governed or church government type issues. Um, so how does how does church government come into play in this article uh, in the Augsburg Confession? Well, we, we talked a little bit about like the polity of the AFLC where each congregation is an independent autonomous unit, right? So that would be in contrast to the structure of something like the LCMS, which is synodical. And, and so the uh, in reality, there's a lot of similarities to our free association and the synod. In the synod, the congregations have bound themselves to the rules and the declarations of the synod. And so uh, the synod protects the churches. It uh, defines and governs the doctrine and confession of that church body based on their interpretation of scripture. Uh, it goes to that, but then like, and I just running out of words here to, to describe <laughs> how it goes. But so like in the Missouri Synod, and this is as far as I understand it, you know, yeah. in, in one sense, we're still outsiders yeah, here. And yeah. uh, I, I only know most of this because I've been going to school at a Missouri Synod seminary for six years. Uh, but uh, the who can be in the office of the ministry at any given point, and, and this is different from ordination, but who can be performing that function in a church at any given point is governed by the synod. And and so the churches agree that it will be a seminary trained and ordained pastor who preaches the word and administers the sacraments. And and that's the churches bind themselves to that. And that is entirely biblical and entirely fine. Where, Where the AFLC departs from that is that what we say is that the individual congregations can do that. And so there's a plus minus on, on each side. There's kind of the balances are shifting here uh, from the perspective that only ordained pastors can preach and administer the sacraments. Uh, you have some doctrinal protection mm-hmm. and, and you have implicitly built into the system training, right? And, mm-hmm. and that's good. On the negative side, uh, you have situations where pastors, if or where congregations go without a pastor, they might be in danger of not regularly receiving the sacrament. You mm. know, regularly having communion. And and I know in the Missouri Synod, there's circuit visitors and there's district presidents who will perform those functions occasionally, but maybe not regularly. Uh, that whole situation gets inverted. In the AFLC, mm-hmm. uh, in the AFLC, uh, for instance, when I was on vacation a few weeks ago, I was on a writing retreat. So it wasn't much of a vacation, <laughs> uh, but when I was on vacation, um, all of the pastors who are members of my congregation and all of the seminarians who attend my congregation were unavailable, and so we had one of our deacons, who is a lay person, preach. Mm-hmm. Uh, 
And the way the AFLC looks at it, it is the deacon's responsibility as the spiritual leaders of our congregation to provide for the preaching and administration of the sacrament. And so in this case, the way we treat it is that those deacons on behalf of our congregation called this gentleman to preach on my behalf. Mm-hmm. And, and so from So that uh, would still fit the, yep. the wording of in the Augsburg Confession here, you know, yep. without a regular call, uh, you know, kind of that who's preaching on Sunday question that every church has, especially if you're without a pastor, but like what you're saying in this instance. So this was when, a very temporary Yeah, instance, when you're on vacation. But, but during pastoral vacancies, and, and it's not unusual, it's unfortunate, but not unusual in our denomination for a church to go two or three years without a pastor. Yeah. We have a pastor yeah. shortage right now uh, on some level, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, what we say is because of the authority of the congregation uh, and because of our confession, and yeah. we subscribe to Augsburg 14, because we yeah. subscribe to the entire Augsburg confession, that it is that church's privilege mm-hmm. by God to call someone to do that for them. Yeah. Uh, so we're, many of our congregations are rarely without the ministry of word and sacrament, which is a good thing. Yeah. But on the flip side of that, having lay people serve those functions, even temporarily, means that we need to put more of an emphasis on training them how to do right. that, and that's right. not always yeah. done. Yeah, lay pastors... Uh, it, do, it doesn't mean untrained Correct. pastors. Mm-hmm. And so that, that training is important. And I think we see that. I think we've each seen that probably. And I'm sure it's not unique to the AFLC that we've seen lay pastors who are very good preachers. They handle the Word of God very, very well. They've been trained well in that and have learned. And in some capacity and in a, and in a small way, that's what we're trying to do here at the Free Lutheran Bible College with some of our, our young men. They have the opportunity to, to even learn how to how to preach mm-hmm. here. Actually, under Dr. Molstry, who's the dean of our seminary, he's the, the the teacher. And uh, to, to be trained in that is great, and it's a great opportunity. We've also seen the negatives, haven't we? We've seen the size where, you know, it's, well, anybody could do this. And they, <laughs> they stand up, and it's, it's, a, it's a mishandling is what it is yeah. of the Word of God. And it's, it's frustrating. So w- whenever we think of laity, that's great. We want to involve laity. And there's a number of ways in which that happens, uh, but we want to train them. Well, and, and we need to train them. I, I, I would believe, based on my understanding of Augsburg 14 and how it fill, fits in with the whole book of Concord, to put an untrained, unprepared person, even into the situation where the AFLC allows for, quote-unquote, temporary call, would be a violation of this because they would be entirely unqualified. Right. I, I'm, I'm having a hard time laughing, thinking of the first time I was invited to preach yeah. as like a high school, I think it was a high school student at my home church, I'm sure that was a horrible, uh, <laughs> but well, they, were, they were patient with me. And I, I think it was part of their investing in my life uh, yeah. as a future potential pastor. But Well, and it, it, it's the, <laughs> doing that with yeah. a preacher, and, and, yeah, and, and yeah. we're going to get into this in the next episode. We need to wrap it up right. here soon, but we're going to get into this next episode. It is everyone across any denominations desire that we find men mm-hmm. for the ministry, that we train and encourage right. young men to step into the ministry. That's right. Every, no one's going to deny that, and right? And that experience is vital for them to grow into Correct. that. The, the problem is, is that a lot of times, and, it, and maybe this is just churches in America, you know how I love picking on the American church. Uh, you got the whipping post. Yeah, the... <laughs> but in, in across denominations, the way to train a spiritual leader is generally 
to put them in a position of leadership. And, and I've been in churches that have done this. I know you guys have all experienced this. It's, the conversation is when you're getting ready on the nominating committee to put someone up for church council, whatever. And in my church, it's deacons and trustees. Uh, the, the conversation that inevitably happens is, well, we would like this guy to be more involved in church, so let's force him to be on the council, <laughs> right? You know, that, yeah. that, that's not entirely wise, but in a, in a denomination where lay ministry is a realistic possibility for our understanding of it, it's also entirely unwise to say, I would love to see this person go to seminary, so I'm going to put him in the pulpit, you know, it's we are doing a disservice to the congregation and to the word of God in doing something like that. But we're also saying that a wise, well-trained layperson, based on our understanding of the congregation and what Augsburg 14 is saying, yeah. it's entirely appropriate for us to do that. Yeah, yeah, and and there can be great blessing in that too of uh, the flock being fed the word yep. and administer the sacraments, like you mentioned. Um, yeah, what a privilege is you know. Just real briefly, you know, I remember coming into seminary, just hearing that expression, administer the sacraments, uh, that that always kind of, uh, I don't know if confused me or at least it just felt, sounded so foreign. Uh, but as I've come to do that as a pastor, just the joy of, that's one of my favorite things to do, especially yep. the Lord's Supper of uh, administering the Lord's Supper and uh giving the gospel in that that tangible form uh as we've talked about many times on this uh, podcast um yeah and so it just I, I the one thing i see here how the lord provides for the flock in uh through individuals through people uh through men that are, are serving um being called by the congregation to do so and, and, and I think that's a really good point for us to end on is, is w- with the differences in understanding of how the AFLC operates in this and how the LCMS operates, what we want to what we want to communicate in this is uh, this this isn't done out of rashness. It's not done out of a disrespect for God or his gifts. In fact, rather the opposite, what we do and what the Missouri Synod does is done out of a sense of privilege that God would call and equip individuals and especially men to serve his church in this way. Yeah. And when what we want done, regardless of disagreement on this, is to be done in reverence and respect for the word of God and for the people of God. Amen. Amen. Thank you for joining us. Please look us up on the web at beinglutheran.com. Also invite a friend to check us out on Spotify and iTunes. For the latest from the Free Lutheran Bible College and Seminary in Plymouth, Minnesota, visit flbc.edu. God bless you and have a great week.